Welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Bible Study. For broadcast times in your area of these studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now it's time to begin our Sunday study with your speaker, Chris McCann. Good afternoon and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Afternoon Bible Study. Today is study number 11 of Jeremiah chapter 50. And we're going to be reading Jeremiah 50 verses 16 through 18. Jeremiah 50, verse 16, says, Cut off the sower from Babylon, and him that handleth the sickle in the time of harvest, for fear of the oppressing sword, they shall turn everyone to his people, and they shall flee everyone to his own land. Israel is a scattered sheep. The lions have driven him away. First the king of Assyria hath devoured him, and last this Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon has broken his bones. Therefore thus saith Jehovah of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will punish the king of Babylon and his land, as I have punished the king of Assyria. And I'll stop reading there. Now we saw in our last Bible study in Jeremiah 50, that God is relating Babylon to harvest. And I'll read the beginning part of verse 16 again. Cut off the sower from Babylon, and him that handleth the sickle in the time of harvest. And the sower and him, notice that's singular, that handleth the sickle is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the sower. You can see that in um, the parable of the sower in Matthew 13. Uh, he that uh, sows the seed is the Son of Man, it, it tells us there. And in Revelation 14, it is the Lord Jesus on the clouds putting in the sickle. Uh, he is the one singular handling the sickle because it is the judgment of God, even though the angels, the messengers of God, the true believers, are the reapers. He is the reaper. And and then we perform that task as we share what he has declared in his word. Just like he is the sower, and yet we, per, we perform that task in times past when uh, we went forth with the, the information from the Bible. It's actually accomplished um, the exact same way, whether sowing or reaping. It, it It is just a matter of what God has done, what season we are in, what the Bible is saying. If the Bible uh, is telling us it's the day of salvation and we share that, we are sowing. If the Bible is telling us it's the day of judgment and we share that, we are reaping. And the believer performs the identical task of sharing truth. Well, the uh, thing we want to look at is cut off the sower from Babylon and him that handleth the sickle. So Christ, who is the sower, Christ is him that handles the sickle, the reaper, and and he is cut off from Babylon. Just as the sun is darkened, the, the door is shut, uh, we no longer hear the voice of 
the bride or the the unsaved no longer hear the voice of the bridegroom or the bride. There, uh, this is saying the same thing. Christ is removed from the world as far as salvation is concerned in the time of harvest. So here God is uh, again relating Babylon. He is linking together Babylon with harvest. And um, harvest uh, relates to the end of the world according to that parable of the sower. In Matthew 13, the harvest is the end of the world. Well, we we want to just quickly review this because it's um, really very significant that God relates Babylon to the harvest. Uh, not just Babylon, but the fall of Babylon. We find in four instances, here is one in Jeremiah 50, verse 16, uh, that uh, Babylon's fall is in view and God speaks of Babylon and harvest. In Jeremiah 51, in verse 33, is the second place where it says, For thus saith Jehovah of hosts, the God of Israel, the daughter of Babylon is like a threshing floor. It is time to thresh her. Yet a little while, and the time of her harvest shall come. And also in Isaiah 21, in verses 9 and 10, we find Babylon again. Um, as far as her fall is concerned, and, and the fall of Babylon, we cannot forget, came after the 70 years of their oppression. The 70 years they were victorious. And then at the end of the 70 years, Babylon falls. And that 70-year period, that historical period, typifies the great tribulation that came at the end of the world. Well, in Isaiah 21, verse 9, And behold, there cometh a chariot of men with a couple of horsemen, and he answered and said, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, and all the graven images of her gods he has broken unto the ground. O oh, my threshing and the corn of my floor. So that's language of harvest. God in those three places links Babylon's fall to harvest. And then we saw the fourth place was in Revelation 14. In the chapter that um, is very much focused on Judgment Day. It says in verse 8 of Revelation chapter 14, And there followed another angel, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. So here Babylon falls and uh, well, where's the harvest? Look at verse 14 of Revelation chapter 14. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle and reap. For the time has come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. Babylon falls harvest four times. It, it is established by God 
that he is linking together the fall of Babylon with harvest. But why would he do that? Because the Babylonians, it was given to them to overcome Judah. And, and then, following that, they would be overcome. And the 70-year period, again, represents the entire time of the Great Tribulation. And then, it comes the judgment upon this world, the, the judgment of Babylon. And, and so, the harvest comes after the Great Tribulation. Uh, the, the harvest is the final judgment of the world. So first we see that Babylon is identified with harvest four times, and this ties in the harvest with the end of the Great Tribulation period, as Babylon fell after that 70-year period which typified the Great Tribulation. And also Babylon's fall in Revelation 14 is set in the context of Harvest, verses 14 through 20, maintain the the discussion on harvest. If you would read each verse, you'll see it mentions sickle and reaping and harvest. And then finally we get to verse 20 of Revelation 14, and it says, And the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress even unto the horse bridles, by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. Sixteen hundred furlongs, which we have come to understand, represents sixteen hundred days. So the, the significance is that uh, Babylon's fall can be pinpointed at, at the historical type relates to the end of the Great Tribulation. Therefore, when Revelation 14.8 declares Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that is um, a- akin to saying the Great Tribulation has ended, the Great Tribulation has ended. The, the time of Babylon conquering and overcoming the saints of God is finished. The, the judgment on the churches is now complete. Now it's transition day. In other words, Babylon is fallen, Babylon is fallen is a statement declaring that, that this is May 21, 2011, because that is when the Great Tribulation period ended. That was the day of transition from judging the churches exclusively to expanding now to include all the unsaved people of the world. And and so Revelation 14.8 is declaring the beginning point of Judgment Day is the end of the Great Tribulation, which the biblical calendar of history proves was May 21, 2011. And then we have harvest. God links the fall of Babylon with harvest. The harvest time is the end of the world. It is judgment day, this prolonged period of time, which we have learned is very likely 1,600 days. Now we have a really strong biblical support or further support to show us that 
1600 days is accurate, that the 1600 days is on the right track. It is on target. Now we, we know that, um, there's already been some strong evidence to, um, lead us in that direction. 1600 days added to the 8400 days of the great tribulation period. The, the 23 years, the judgment on the churches equals a perfect 10,000 days. And, and 10,000 days, it points to completeness of whatever is in view. In this case, it would be the complete judgment of God. That was one very big piece of evidence indicating we were on on the right track. Secondly, it, the 1600 days itself broke down to 40 times 40. 40 times 40 equals 1640 is the number of testing. And, and that revealed that the duration of judgment day for the people of God would would be a, a time of severe testing. And that also fits perfectly with what God is doing at this time and was another big piece of evidence that pointed to the correctness that, yes, God was going to um, bring a 1600-day period for Judgment Day. And then the third um, very big piece of evidence to indicate that 1600 days was correct was that 1600 days from May 21, 2011 would fall and conclude on October 7th in 2015. And October 7th, 2015 happened to be the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles in that year. And um, the Bible points to that feast, the final, the third feast in which all of the Israelite males were to appear before the Lord. And, and the, the one feast that had not yet, uh, had spiritual fulfillment as the feast of Passover had fulfillment when the Lord Jesus had gone to the cross and, and he fulfilled that feast at the very time the feast was held. And the Feast of Pentecost had fulfillment on the day of Pentecost in, in 33 AD. We read about in Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit was poured out and the church age officially began with the saving of 3,000 souls on the day of Pentecost. But the third feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, it had not yet been fulfilled and the language of the Bible pointed to the end of the world. For instance, uh, in Nehemiah chapter 8, the, the phrase last day is used in connection with the Feast of Tabernacles. And likewise, in the New Testament, in John 7, Jesus speaks of the last day, the great day of the Feast of Tabernacles. And the, the phrase the last day is only found eight times in the whole Bible and twice in connection with tabernacles and then six other times in the Gospel of John in relationship to the resurrection of the last day or the judgment of the last day. And and so that um, links that feast with the last day. And here we find the 10,000th day, the last day, 
if we're correct, the 1600th day, the last day of judgment, happens to be the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, and and that is a strong piece of evidence from the Bible to indicate that will be the day that God concludes his judgment uh, for the world and and the overall judgment that began at the house of God and 10,000 days later on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, God completes it. And then the evidence is it points to the end of the world, the completion for all things for this world. Well, now in Revelation 14, when the statement is made, Babylon is fallen in the context of harvest, that is indicating it is the end of the Great Tribulation. It is harvest time to put in the sickle. Remember um, in Mark 4, Mark 4 in verse 29, it says, But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. And the fruit would be God's elect, that they've all been saved, and and that's what the Bible has been teaching uh, for some time now, that God saved all the elect, everyone whose name was recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. There is no more to be saved. He saved them before shutting the door of heaven on May 21 in 2011, before the end of the Great Tribulation. God saved the last one. He shut the door. He put in the sickle immediately after the tribulation because the great multitude came out of great tribulation. There's no other um, to be saved. When we read of those that knock on the door and 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 say, Lord, Lord, open to us, the um, question is, from whence came ye? Uh, when, when the great multitude... It, that question was asked, from whence came they? It was said they came out of great tribulation. And, and there is no other group. That's why the Lord Jesus is asking those knocking on the door, well, who are you? Where do you come from? I already gathered my fruit out of great tribulation. I've brought in the great multitude. They're already saved. There are no others. So from whence come ye? And that's, the problem with those that are saying God is still saving today, that, well, from whence come they? They're not coming from the Great Tribulation. That time is complete. It is finished. And it, it is the harvest. And immediately after God saves all the elect, or immediately after the tribulation, he puts in the sickle. The harvest is come. And again, that teaches us that May 21, 2011 is in view in Revelation 14, and then the 1600-day period is the period of harvest. Now, the this additional piece of strong biblical evidence is that the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles is also the last day of harvest, because... The Feast of Tabernacles is held in conjunction with the Feast of Ingathering. In uh, Exodus 23, 
in Exodus 23, verse 16, it says, In the feast of harvest, the first fruits of thy labors, which thou hast sown in the field, and the feast of ingathering, which is in the end of the year, when thou hast gathered in thy labors out of the field. The feast of ingathering comes at the end. It's, it is that feast of harvest. The harvest is the end of the world. And concerning ingathering, we read in Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 23. Well, first, first we'll read of tabernacles. Uh, Leviticus 23, verse 34, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of this seventh month shall be the feast of tabernacles for seven days unto Jehovah. On the first day shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. Seven days ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto Jehovah. On the eighth day shall be a holy convocation unto you. and shall offer an offering made by fire unto Jehovah. It is a solemn assembly, and ye shall do no servile work therein. And then verse 39. Also, also, in the fifteenth day of the seventh month. Now, uh, again, verse 34. Going back to verse 34. The fifteenth day of the seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles. Also, in verse 39, in the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when ye have gathered in the fruit of the land, and, and remember Exodus 23.16, speaks of the Feast of Ingathering, to be held when ye have gathered in the fruit of the land. And ye shall keep a feast unto Jehovah seven days. On the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. The identical timeline as for tabernacles, which means that the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles is also the last day of the Feast of Ingathering, which is called the Feast of Harvest. And that would mean that the 1600-day period from May 21, 2011, that when it falls on October 7th in 2015, it is falling on the last day of harvest. Now, isn't that incredible? Isn't that amazing that Babylon is fallen, is fallen, is a statement that is pinpointing the beginning of harvest, and God is the one who has tied together the fall of Babylon four times with harvest. And the fall of Babylon came at the end of 70 years, which relates to the end of the Great Tribulation. Therefore, Babylon's fall is May 21, 2011. Then we have 1,600 days, as the, the reference to 1,600 furlongs is set in the context of harvest. Please read Revelation 14, 14 through 20. And, and you see that the Son of Man has a sharp sickle. He thrust in the sickle. It says in verse 15, For the time has come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And, and remember that verse in Mark 4:29. As soon as the fruit is ready, he puts in the sickle, for the harvest has come. And, Verse 16, he thrust in the sickle, 
verse 17 mentions the sharp sickle. Verse 18, thrust in thy sharp sickle, gather the clusters of the vine of the earth. Her grapes are fully ripe. Verse 19, the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. That winepress has to do with harvest time. And then the the winepress was trodden without the city, it says in verse 20, and blood came out of the winepress even unto the horse bridles by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. Now, let's think about that. Where everything else is related to harvest. The the fall of Babylon is related to harvest. Pinpointing May 21, 2011. The language of judgment day is the language of harvest. And God leads us from the point that the sickle is put in, immediately when the fruit is ready, you put in the sickle, to verse 20, that gives us this this strange language of blood flowing out of the wine press and flowing for a space of 1,600 furlongs. And not 2,800, not uh, 600, not... 1595 or 1688. I just think of all the different numbers that could be used there in that place. It could say a thousand furlongs if, if it was just to represent some sort of spiritual, uh, have some sort of spiritual significance. It, it could be a whole host of different numbers, but God picks the number 1600, a number that just happens to fit hand in glove with 8,400 to form 10,000. A number that so happens to break down to 40 times 40. A number that so happens to take us, once we understand it as days, to the last day of the Feast of Harvest, wherein harvest is in view throughout the whole passage. Is that a coincidence? Is that, um, uh, oh, yes, uh, you're manipulating things, really? I'm, I'm just saying that's what uh, some people immediately accuse and charge. You're, you're twisting the scriptures. You're, you're the one who has developed this, this whole timeline. Well, uh, I don't know how smart people think I am. I know that I'm, I'm not not smart at all, actually. And there's no way, no way that, first of all, I could develop a biblical calendar of history to establish all these dates, such as May 21, uh, coming exactly 23 years after the beginning of the Great Tribulation, 7,000 years from the flood, and and so forth. All the uh, intricate and uh, incredible um, timelines and and the way that they mesh and come together and fit so perfectly harmoniously there there's no way I could uh, I or anyone else could ever do that or or mr. camping yes he was an intelligent man but he wasn't that intelligent you cannot manipulate the Bible in that way when when people manipulate the Bible, 
it becomes obvious because things do not harmonize, they do not fit. For instance, people manipulate the Bible statements that, uh, well, well, uh, God so loved the world or, or, uh, they try to say that Christ died for everyone. Well, it doesn't work. It doesn't fit the rest of the scriptures. People manipulate the Bible to try and, and, and say all sorts of things and teach all kinds of doctrines, but it becomes very obvious that it doesn't fit when we have a right doctrine and a right conclusion then it fits like a piece of a puzzle. You know, like that 5,000-piece puzzle uh, that, that you buy your children. And and how do they make that puzzle? Well, they had a photo, and then they began to cut it up into very tiny pieces. And And when you put all the pieces back together the right way, they all have their spot, they all fit into place, and the picture is formed. And that's how it is with the Bible. When everything begins to fit into place, and it does so smoothly, and it, it forms the picture that God is creating, that God is teaching us. And that's what he's doing here. The uh, timeline of 1600 days uh, has just received further confirmation from the Bible as being correct. Now we'll see, and we're going to continue to say, well, uh, there's a good likelihood, but the Bible, the biblical evidence is now confirming it further with this information that the fall of Babylon identifies with the harvest. Well, let's go back to uh, Jeremiah 50. Jeremiah 50. And, and we'll finish reading verse 16. Uh, Cut off the sower from Babylon and him that handleth the sickle in the time of harvest. For fear of the oppressing sword, they shall turn everyone to his people and they shall flee everyone to his own land. Now here, God is uh, speaking of those that are fleeing and it says for fear of the oppressing sword. Now, in Jeremiah 46, we have a similar verse that um, that is slightly uh, reworded or, or worded differently. In Jeremiah 46, it says in verse uh, 15 and 16, Why are the valiant men swept away? They stood not because Jehovah did drive them. He made many to fall. Yea, one fell upon another. And they said, Arise, and let us go again to our own people, and to the land of our nativity, from the oppressing sword. So that helps to see that, yes, it is flight. It, it is um, running from the sword of God. And, uh, of course, the oppressing sword would be the word of God, as God likens his word to a sword. In Hebrews 4, verse 12, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. And and so it is the, the word of God that is declaring judgment upon 
Babylon, the unsaved inhabitants of the earth. And here it speaks of, for fear of the oppressing sword, they shall turn everyone to his people, and they shall flee everyone to his own land. And this would, um, I think, identify with that statement in, in Revelation 22 that says in the day of judgment, the righteous will be righteous still and the filthy will be filthy still. That is, everyone's own land is established. For the child of God, for the saved individual, our land is the kingdom of heaven, even though we're still living on the earth. Uh, immediately upon salvation, we're, uh, as it were, lifted up into heavenly places to be seated in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. We, we have our citizenship in the kingdom of heaven, in that heavenly country, and we are therefore a part of that land. But for the unsaved individual in the day of judgment, now they return to their land, the filthy land, the unclean land, the polluted land of this world, or the, the kingdom of, of Satan, the kingdom of darkness. They're forever now. Um, it, it's established. It's fixed. There's, there's no changing it. No one can ever be translated again out of darkness into light. It, it is, um, set by God once he shut the door of heaven. And, and so, for fear of the oppressing sword, they shall turn everyone to his people, and they shall flee everyone to his own land, is language indicating that um, for the battle of Judgment Day, the sides are set, the, the sides are fixed, the, there is the Lord Jesus and, and his saints, and there is the kingdom of Satan and his forces, every unsaved individual in the world. Okay, let's go on to verse 17 of Jeremiah 50. Israel is a scattered sheep. The lions have driven him away. First, the king of Assyria has devoured him, and last, this Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon has broken his bones. Israel uh, is a scattered sheep. Now, when when God brought judgment on the New Testament churches and congregations, this resulted in a scattering of the people of God. The true believers that were within the churches were driven out throughout the period of, of the Great Tribulation time, even before God commanded his people to come out of the church. The false doctrine and gospels of the churches were driving the child of God out. Just think when, when, uh, maybe during those years you attended church. I remember this very well going into a church and, and, and you're sitting there and you're listening carefully and maybe you speak to the pastor afterwards and you try to get a feel for what they believe. Where do they stand on salvation? What is their position on the Bible? Oh, and, and so forth. And, and, um, w- without fail, there would be errors in the church, serious errors concerning, um, salvation. They would believe in free will. Or they would, they would say it's by the grace of God, but 
you have to do your part. They, there would always be an element added, even in the Reformed churches, of free will. Or when you add any kind of element of free will, you're adding a work. So they were adding work to grace, and sometimes they would try to hide it, but but they would do so. Or there was something wrong with the baptism, or they had some strange idea about the Lord's table, or uh, we could go on for a long time with the, the problems that are in the churches, and the child of God was being made sad, was was being uh, cast down, and there was no feeding of that sheep, and and so uh, we wander to another church, and until finally we left the church, we were scattered and driven out of the churches until God finally, for our own good and benefit, commanded His people come out or to depart, depart out and flee to the mountains and. And then that also was a result of the fact there was no truth in the congregations. Their unfaithfulness and disobedience really led to God commanding his people out. So the scattering of the believers within the churches was a result of God's judgment upon them, but that was due to their unfaithfulness. And also that great multitude outside of the churches and congregations remained scattered. They became saved, but they, they weren't gathered together during the, the period of the great tribulation. God was dealing with them outside of the churches, yes. But it, again, it was a failure of the church, a failure to teach and, and hold to the truths of the word of God, a failure of being faithful stewards that kept that great multitude out of the church and therefore they also were scattered as a result of the judgment upon the the churches and congregations. Now we read in Joel chapter 3 in the first couple of verses, Joel 3, it says in verse 1, For behold, in those days and in that time when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem. I will also gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. Now here God is referring to Judgment Day. Notice he says, that he will gather the nations, all nations, and bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat. A little further on, in, in Joel 3 and verse 12, it says, Let the heathen be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there will I sit to judge all the heathen. And heathen, by the way, is a, uh, English word that, that's a translation of the word translated as nation or nations. At the word um, goy in the Hebrew can be translated to heathen or nation or Gentile. And and here God says, I sit to judge all the heathen or all the nations round about. Verse 13, now notice this. Put ye in the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Come, get you down for the press is full. The fats overflow for their wickedness is great. 
and the fats are the wine presses. And notice how God relates judging the nations in this valley of Jehoshaphat with putting in the sickle and harvest. Again, that, that relates to Revelation 14 and, and it is referring to the period immediately after the Great Tribulation when judgment began, which was May 21, 2011. Well, in Joel 3 verse 2, where, where the Lord gathers the nations and brings them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat and says, and will plead with them there, the word plead, is most often or or uh, can be translated as judgment or execute judgment. Uh, the Lord will execute judgment with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel. Now remember um, in Jeremiah 50, we had looked at this back in verses 10 and 11 of Jeremiah 50. It says in Chaldea, shall be a spoil, and all that spoil her shall be satisfied, saith Jehovah, because ye were glad, because ye rejoiced, O ye destroyers of mine heritage, because ye are grown fat as the heifer at grass, and bellow as bulls. And Chaldea is another name for Babylon. Babylon will be spoiled, because she was glad and rejoiced, as she was a destroyer of God's heritage. Now, Babylon uh, is used to represent the nations of the world. Babylon um, is a picture of the Gentiles. Remember how God said in Revelation 11 that the holy city was given unto the Gentiles. Well, the Gentiles are the nations. Babylon represents the nations. And here in Joel 3 verse 2, God is, is executing judgment with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel. Now here, he's executing judgment upon the nations. In Jeremiah 50, he's executing judgment upon Babylon because they spiritually are one in the same. And then it goes on to say at the end of verse 2 of Joel 3, whom my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. See, the, the Gentiles are to blame. The nations are to blame for scattering Israel because it was Satan and his forces, the Gentiles, the, the unsaved who entered into the congregations that tread underfoot the holy city. And, and because of, of that, the people of God were scattered. And because of that, those saved during the latter reign were not gathered into the church. And therefore, it was as if they were scattered also. And God now is judging, um, the Babylonians. He's judging the nations because they did this. Alright, let's go back to our verse in Jeremiah 50. And verse 17, Israel is a scattered sheep. The lions have driven him away. First, the king of Assyria has devoured him. And last, this Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, has broken his bones. The lions. The lions here 
are referring to the king of Assyria and the king of Babylon. And we know that the lion can represent Satan in the Bible, as it says in 1 Peter, in chapter 5, verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And as we um, study the king of Assyria, or the king of Babylon, we find that they both represent or typify Satan. The king of Assyria is the one that God used and the Assyrians to come against Israel or Samaria, the ten tribes in the north, and they were destroyed. They ceased to be um, a nation because the Assyrian army destroyed them and scattered them. They took the Israelites, they, they took the Jews after conquering Samaria, and they carried them to other lands. And they took people from other lands and placed them into Samaria. That's why in the days of Jesus, we read that language where the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans because they felt they were polluted people. They were mixed. People from various lands lived in Samaria. And and the Jews of Judah felt that they were not true Jews. And this is a result of what the king of Assyria and the Assyrians did. They scattered Israel also, just as the king of Babylon, and they drove him away. And And so here God is typifying both kings, evil kings, kings of heathen lands, of of unsaved peoples, and they typify uh, Satan. We read in Isaiah 10 concerning the king of Babylon, we're uh, pretty familiar with um, the king of Babylon representing Satan and, and how God speaks of him in Isaiah 14, where he is speaking of the king of Babylon and then begins to speak, speak of Satan. He He does so smoothly. And it's uh, very obvious and clear how Nebuchadnezzar and other kings of Babylon can represent Satan. But we're not all that familiar with the king of Assyria. Uh, Yet we find in Isaiah 10, beginning in verse 5, O Assyrian, the rod of mine anger, and the staff in their hand is mine indignation. I will send him against a hypocritical nation, and against the people of my wrath, while I give him a charge to take the spoil, and to take the prey, and to tread them down like the mire of the streets. So here God is speaking of the Assyrian, just as he spoke of King Nebuchadnezzar and, and the Babylonians, that, that Nebuchadnezzar would be his servant to execute judgment upon the rebellious people of Judah. Likewise, the Assyrian is the rod of his anger and staff in hand uh, is mine indignation and he is sent against a hypocritical nation. That would be Samaria, the Israel in the north. And he did destroy Israel completely in the year 
709 uh, BC and 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 then it only left Judah in the south for about another hundred years and then in 609 BC God began the judgment process on Judah and and so the king of Assyria is a figure of Satan as as the Assyrians came against Israel it it's a like figure to the king of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar, coming against Judah and destroying the people of God, destroying the outward representation of the kingdom of God upon the earth, Israel uh, in the Old Testament and Judah in the Old Testament, and it pointed to the destruction of the New Testament churches and congregations. Well, in verse 18 of Jeremiah 50, it says, Therefore, thus saith Jehovah of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will punish the king of Babylon and his land, as I have punished the king of Assyria. God did turn around and punish the Assyrians. If you remember, they came against Judah and, and King Hezekiah one day, and uh, they they very arrogantly and and pridefully uh, declared that they had conquered all these other nations, including Samaria, and that the Lord had given Judah up into their hand also. But in that case, Hezekiah is a type of Christ, and Judah of the true believers, and it really pictures that God, yes, God gave up Samaria, the corporate church, but did not give up his true people. And when the king of Assyria, a picture of Satan, comes against the true people of God, protected by the Lord Jesus Christ, again, Hezekiah in Jerusalem, they are soundly defeated. The Lord fights for them, and he slew the whole army of the Assyrians in the night, and and they woke up, they were all dead men. I believe it was 185,000 that died in a single night. And then the king of Assyria fled, and he was slain by his own children, his own sons. And and so God is is indicating he will punish the king of Babylon as he punished the king of Assyria. Now, we, we read in Jeremiah... Um, 25 in Jeremiah chapter 25 it says in and I'll start reading in verse 9 behold I will send and take all the families of the north saith Jehovah and Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon my servant and will bring them against this land and against the inhabitants thereof and against all these nations round about and will utterly destroy them and make them an astonishment and a hissing and perpetual desolations. Moreover, I will take from them the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstones and the light of the candle. And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon seventy years. Here, God is... Uh, setting up King Nebuchadnezzar for his rule during the 70-year period and, and the Babylonian kings that would follow him 
over his own people, God raised them up and brought them against um, this land, referring to Judah. And he calls Nebuchadnezzar my servant. Everyone, the nations, will serve the king of Babylon 70 years. And, and again, that 70 years typifies the Great Tribulation. And basically, we could restate this, that God will loose Satan, bring Satan against the church. Satan will be victorious over the church. Satan will also be as the beast that rules over the unsaved people of the earth. And, and all, um, nations, all the unsaved will serve him. 70 years or the duration of the great tribulation. They will serve him for 23 years. But then we read in verse 12 of Jeremiah 25, and it shall come to pass when 70 years are accomplished that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, saith Jehovah, for their iniquity in the land of the Chaldeans and will make it perpetual desolations. And I will bring upon that land all my words which I have pronounced against it, even all that is written in this book, which Jeremiah has prophesied against all the nations. At the end of 70 years, God will punish the king of Babylon and that nation. And notice how he links it together with all the nations. And uh, again, if we were to uh, reword this, in, in spiritual language, God is saying, at the end of the great tribulation, I will punish Satan and all in his kingdom of darkness, all the unsaved people of the earth. And, and that's exactly what he has done. And, uh, here the Lord is, is once again proving that the fall of Babylon is not the fall of the churches. We must get that out of our mind. The 70-year period when Satan or the king of Babylon is winning and is victorious and all are serving him, that is the judgment on the church. But at the end of 70 years, when Babylon falls, that is no longer the judgment on the church. That is the judgment upon this world That is the beginning of harvest. Babylon is fallen, is fallen. For 1,600 days, we can say this, that 1,600 days after May 21, 2011, will come the last day of the Feast of Harvest. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship Sunday Bible Study. For more information or to hear additional Bible studies, be sure to visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com.